Welcome to this week's episode number 23 of the Camera Shake podcast, the podcast um, where we talk about anything and everything that's got anything to do with photography, videography, um, making photos, videos, and so on and so forth. So this is uh, episode 23 already. It is. Yeah. It seems like we're surprised every week. Yep. <laughs> that we haven't given up yet. We're still doing it. <laughs> we're yeah. still doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm pleased we're awesome. still doing it. Yeah. It's, it's um, you know. 23 weeks since the beginning of um, the whole lockdown shebang, if you think about it that mm. way. It's a good measurement. I thought about this yesterday because um, um, there's many things I thought about yesterday. But one of, uh, uh, you know, when you're you're listening to a podcast um, on, on the like Apple podcast app, mm-hmm. which if you're watching this on YouTube and, um, you know, and you want to you have something really cool to listen to in the car, then you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, clearly, or on Spotify, and now also on Amazon. Amazon Music. Yeah. yeah. Have you tried the Amazon app? I have I have Prime Music app, um, and I did search through, and all the podcasts are there. I like the, the general format of it. Yeah. It's nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if you're already a Prime Music subscriber, hmm. um, yeah, and the benefit of it is it's cross-platform, like Spotify, okay. whereas Apple... You know, you use that on uh, yeah. on your on your iPhones. Although, funnily enough, I mean, over fifty five percent of our listeners of the audio version are listening to it on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, that's uh, that is interesting. But nevertheless, I was I was uh, I was listening to another podcast, and you know, when you when you get to the end of a podcast, it'll then automatically switch to something else that you haven't finished listening to before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, randomly, and it, it switched back to episode three of okay. the Camera Shake podcast, and it just seems like. But at some point in the distant past, I must have listened to that. Maybe I listened back to it and I didn't listen to all of it, mm-hmm. right? And so anyway, so it flipped back to that. And um, and it flipped back to the bit where we're talking about um, how we were feeling about being stuck at home sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that made me think like, really, in a weird way, this is actually, this is like chronicling, a chronicling, chronicling, chronic, whatever the word is. It's... Uh, <laughs> It provides a really good chronicle of what, of what's well saved. <laughs> no, um, uh, you know, of of what life was like during the whole coronavirus. It's true. Crisis of thing, you know, on a week by week yeah, kind of basis. True. And so it's almost like a, it's almost diuretic. Yeah, yeah, like a diary. Yeah. Is that diuretic? Is that the word? Yeah, well, we'll just go with it. <laughs> okay, go, it's out there now. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not editing that. <laughs> well, <out. laughs> Yeah, I, I guess you can see us uh, the rise and fall of our moods. And yeah, how depressed yeah. we are. Well, yeah, it's um, it's one of these things. Um, especially because I have to hold a talk. Um, well, I don't have to, but I'm holding a talk on um, on uh, photography during lockdown in in a week or two. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So so uh, so that'd be interesting. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it just kind of made me think about. All the different things that we've been doing to keep our creative juices going, mm, you know, mm, over that mm. time. Having said that, there's something very important uh, we have to announce. We have to make a retraction. Very, <laughs> it's the first retraction on this show, I think, in 23 episodes. Anyway, but um, so last last week we were talking about um, a photo shoot that we did, uh, where we where we shot a uh, really souped up Ford. Well, it turns out to be a Ford Focus RS. And not you know, the, fun, the funny thing is, is that 
we haven't the edit edit isn't even finished on that no um, it isn't no. no one's seen it no I don't even know no exactly it exactly but uh, if it is finished um by you know before thursday morning then then uh, we will play it in now and you can see it you can see the finished photo right here okay. um yeah there's, there's still something i have to finish but yeah in my head it was a ford fiesta rs um but of course it was his Ford Focus. Ford Focus. Yeah. Mm. Easy to get wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, it looks the same to me. Anyway, we have been, um, we, we have been put on notice on Facebook, I think. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're correcting that now for all of you uh, Ford Focus RS owners. Um, yeah. So it's a cool car. Very cool car. No doubt about that. Oh, yeah. Very, yeah. Very, uh, I don't know. I guess you need to be a certain age to drive it. What like seventeen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you, you wouldn't be getting insured on that. I assure you. Ah. Not at seventeen. It'd probably yeah. cost you three grand. Well, so, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, for for those of us who drive hybrids, <laughs> you know, or electric vehicles, Gary, it's the future. Yeah, it is the future. Um, you know, it is. Uh, I mean, there's something to having a really powerful engine in a car. Yeah, you know. No doubt. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm by no means by no means a petrol head or a car nut or anything like that. Um, but it's you know it's it's impressive. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, very manly, very manly. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a... <laughs> yeah. Especially, I mean, you know, in reality, when you know, whenever I've been in a Ford Focus, it has never felt very manly. Do you know what I mean? No. You know, or a Fiesta, <laughs> or, or a Fiesta, right? <laughs> or any any Ford for that matter. Yeah. Well, there you go. <clears throat> it's. Focus, not Fiesta. Focus. In a distance, in a distant past, uh, in the distant past, I once I bought, I drove, I've driven two Fords in my mm-hmm. history, or in my past. Um, they're both Ford Mondeos. Um, I can't remember what, I know, but I can't remember what the American equivalent is called. It's the same, um, it's the same kind of model, but it's just called something else in North America. I just can't remember. Anyway, um, the reason I bought it originally was because it was actually the exact same car that, um, Mulder and Scully were driving in like oh, one of the early seasons of RTX files. Yeah. Yeah, even at the same specs, it was like it was rocking. <laughs> what a reason to buy a crap I know. car. <laughs> hey man, it was awesome. <laughs> well, it did a job, I'm sure. It was I tell you what the awesome thing about it was was um I'm such a lazy driver. Um this thing had like the seats were like armchairs, right? Mm. It was super comfortable. Like they were super fluffy, you know, super comfortable seats. Um, it was automatic, and um, it was like the laziest drive ever. Like you could drive that car at a huge. Actually, it did have a huge trunk though. Mm-hmm. I got a whole, and this makes no sense to anybody who's not a guitarist, so I apologize in advance. But I could get a four by twelve in the trunk, flat, just like that, no problem, really? with plenty of space for you know um, guitar hard cases and really, and yeah, yeah. I used to, I used to, text, I used to gig this car. All the time, yeah. It's huge. The trunk was humongous. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. And especially when you put the... And that was without putting the seats down, by the way. Hmm. Yeah. If you put the seats... So back then, I used to buy cars. My measurement for the suitability of a car was I need to get um, our guitar hard case in sideways into the trunk. If I could get... You know, if the car was wide enough so I get a case in, then it would be cool. I'm bought. Yeah. 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 So, That's uh, a good shout. So, yeah. 
That wouldn't happen in a Ford Fiesta. That's, that's the reason I changed my car last year. Oh. It's because I was getting sick of having to put gear on my back seats all the time, all oh, put yeah. down, and now everything fits in my boot. Yeah, yeah, because now you're driving like a, a station wagon. The station, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's true so canadian well it's like it's uh what is it called an estate an estate car yeah, yeah. yeah. so um yeah your car is, is pretty pretty big yeah 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 I, not, I enjoy that not a hybrid though but you know no it's not no, no. <laughs> dirty diesel next one dirty diesel mm. yeah so what's uh what's been going on this week for you so i had too much time this weekend and when i have too much time it usually means i end up spending money Mm-hmm. And so I've been stupidly toying with the idea after, you know, after just having spent a ton of money on like a new iMac and blah, blah, blah. Um, I was, I've been looking at, I saw, you know, to cut a long story short, I, I, I the way I work now is I, I built myself a little kind of workstation at home, if you want to know, with the desk and um, shelves and whatever. And I've, um, on my top shelf, I have all of my cameras lined up. And they're like backlit, so it looks cool. There's like old film cameras and all sorts. Of stuff. And one of them is is my um, my Fuji X100F, which I love. I've talked about it lots of times. Um, I love that camera for lots of different reasons. But of course, uh, Fuji brought out uh, the X100V mm. some months mm-hmm. ago. I haven't until now for some reason I haven't really played with the idea of upgrading the X100F. You priced it up, didn't you? I did, yeah. And, <laughs> and so uh, you know, and I kind of just thought like, okay, so how much would I get for it if I sold it now? And then what was the difference between how much money would I have to lay down to basically upgrade to the X100V? Mm-hmm. And is it worth it, right? Because some of the improvements are incremental. Some of them are quite interesting. Like, um, I mean, you know, the, the lens, it's got a new lens. Um, so for those of you who don't know, not Fuji, uh, Fuji fans, freaks, whatever, um, <clears throat> is that it's a fixed lens, uh, fixed focal length uh, camera. And... Um, and the, the lens is actually, I'm really happy with it on the X100F. It's an incredible lens. It looks great. Um, but, uh, there's been a bit of an upgrade on the, on the X100V on the latest model. And so I've been watching lots of videos. Um, it has some really good, really good channels, um, about, uh, where, you know, where we'll talk about the different uh, ins and outs and, and compare it to the X100F. Mm-hmm. There's one particular channel. So it's by, um, a YouTuber called Buray Perry, a photographer called Buray Perry, which, um, I enjoy that channel because I, I love that camera and I've, so I've been watching the videos uh, for quite some time and um, it's been really useful and really helpful. Mm-hmm. And um, and also there's been a lot of discussion about whether it's worth the upgrade or not, you know, or and so for some reason this weekend, I ended up thinking about, oh, wouldn't it be cool? You know, wouldn't it be nice? And so I'm balancing that with... What are the benefits? You know, how much is it going to cost me to upgrade? What are the benefits? What am I getting out of it? And am I using that camera enough to warrant right. the upgrade? Right. And that's kind of where I'm stuck. So um, and so at the moment I'm like, well, I haven't been using it that much because we haven't been able to really go outside yeah. for most of the summer anyway. Um and but what would I be able to do if I upgraded? You know? And then like things like, you know, the tilt screen, for example, um, on the X100V, very nice, it's a nice feature. It's definitely something I'll be using, you know, um, video capabilities improved, like for, you know, now it's 4K video and, and you know, all that kind of jazz. You know, there's like, there are improvements across the board, sensors better, uh, the processor's better, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, so, you know, there's some interesting things. And I've always said this, and although the X100 F was never meant to be a video camera, it was never meant mm. to be, but mm. the video looks really good on that. Mm. I mean, we've, we've said that in the past. Yeah. Whenever, you know, I've shot little bits and bobs on it. I think at one point we were even thinking about using it to shoot the podcast. Yeah, we did. You know, because the picture just looked that good. There was a downside to it, though, and I can't remember what it was. Was it time limit? On yeah, that? it was the time limit. Yeah. Uh, I think it's 12 minutes or something on the um, on the X100F. And I just I can't remember whether I've improved that on, on the 100V. But what I do know is that um, uh, you, it now shoots in 4K. And, and on the X100F, it was 1080. 1080, you know? yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, um, anyway, so this weekend, I was just like, umming and ahhing as to whether I should go down that rabbit hole. And it is a rabbit hole, like, you know, and my bank, you know, my, my wallet will come out a whole lot lighter. If I'm not. What, what, what would it approximately cost to, to upgrade if you were to sell your current? I don't know. I mean, it, um, the x 100 v has been out for a few months now, so maybe, you know, there may be some, you know, maybe may able to get it one second hand even. I don't know mm. at this point. Then mm. that I haven't looked into. But, I'm thinking probably, I can probably, uh, you know, it's probably about 500 quid, maybe more than that, a little bit more than that. I don't know. You know, it's just, the question for me is, it's just like whether the use of the thing warrants the mm. outlay. That's mm. just it. You know? Well, I think if I was you right now, I'd hold off just a little bit longer. Mm. Wait till we start to come out the back backside of um, yeah. lockdown. Yeah. Well, you know, so you can get outside a little bit more yeah. and use it a bit more on day trips and because that's where yeah. you're going to use it a lot, right? Yeah. I'm guessing primarily family-related things that that's going to come in because it's, it's small. Well, that's, yeah, that, exactly. That's exactly you know, the idea, yeah. yeah. And it's safe taking <clears throat> your 750 out. And I took you know, a really top example for that again um, because I went to um, a, a country park um, over the weekend, you know, with the dog and my daughter and my wife and we met some friends. Um uh, of course, you know, sticking uh, strictly to the rule of six in the UK, you can only. This <laughs> is. I mean, I thought about this as well. This is another thing I thought about. Um, it's the rule of six. So you can you can meet six people. That's you're allowed to meet six people, but it can all be from different households. Yeah. So that's weird. You may as well just say six households. The effect is the same. Well, right? exactly right, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, I ain't a scientist, but this doesn't make any sense. But anyway, so. Um, so, you know, we met, we met some friends and we're walking around and I had my camera backpack with my, uh, with my Nikon and a, a 2470 lens in there. Cause I kind of thought, Oh, cool opportunity, you know, um, to take some pictures of the dock and blah, blah. Did I take it out? Nope. 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 Not once. And it's typical. And I know that had I taken the Fuji, I know yeah, I would have been able to, to carry it in my coat pocket. Do you know what I mean? And I would have definitely yeah. come back with some with some photos, and it's that's that's exactly why I bought it in the first place. Mm -hmm. But there you go. But you didn't. But it, yeah. So exactly. So uh, in any event, uh, so that's that's my dilemma um, this week. And um, and you know if if you're in the same position as me, then a uh, let me know what you're thinking. And and secondly, you know I can highly recommend uh, Brewer Perry's channel on. Um, on YouTube, um, that might give you a little bit of, uh, maybe that might answer your questions or it might confuse you even more, <laughs> you know, when you realize that it's, it's not an easy decision anyway. So, you know, there you go. 
that was my weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like it. I do like I do I, I like it when you look up uh, new gear. Yeah. Yeah. Camera dilemmas. Yeah, yeah. So how was your weekend? Uh weekend was all right. Oh. I had a gig. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wedding as well. Oh wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many people? With uh thirty people still. Right, okay. So it was forty eight hours before the drop to fifteen people right, came okay. into play. And it was all done in a really good way. We did our bit to hmm. you know keep things as safe as uh safe as possible and it was great fun you know it's odd it's a really mm. strange environment to be in yeah um you know having uh, having so few people there having to set up in such a you know restricted kind of way if you like yeah. um but it was nice to get playing again you know it's going to be the last gig it's going to be the only one yeah but um they were happy to go ahead with fewer people and so fine we'll be there yeah uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen a lot of uh, petitions and stuff on um, or government p- petitions in relation to uh, the wedding industry mm. um, and and wedding photography or event photography. Just recently, um, because obviously <clears throat> in the UK, the limit has now dropped to fifteen people. And I don't know. Does that include like does does that include the band, for example? Right. The... So my understanding is, and this might be incorrect because I, I don't look into this. Um, uh, one of the other band members kind of d- deals with all of that, which is great. It helps me. Watch out for retractions next week. <laughs> <laughs> my, un- <laughs> my understanding was is that it was thirty people, and that included certain suppliers right. related to it. Not all of them, but certain ones. Now it's dropped to fifteen. It doesn't include suppliers. Oh, okay. Right. I believe that might be incorrect. So you're but... 15 guests in a 15-piece band. Exactly. Right. right, right? Okay. Uh, so it's like, well, if that is accurate, <clears throat> what's the point in even changing it? Because you'll end up with 15 suppliers knocking about anyway. Of some description. Get you know, cousin, cousin, band. Get cousin Vinny in. You know, he's uh, the, I don't know, pizza boy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's nonsense. Anyway. But yeah, so yeah, that was kind of kind of my weekend. Mm. Um yeah, it was good fun. And now my back is hurting today, I have to say. <laughs> so what's the um what's the thing with um singers? Because I know <clears throat> there was at one point uh, there was there was a talk about obviously there was a th- the thinking was that you had to kind of shield as a singer or something. Right. Or, uh, how does that was there any did you have to put up like a, a visor or any like no a, there's no requirement to do right. any of that um and i think when you've got so few people there that actually you can easily maintain a distance from right. from the crowd yeah. <laughs> crowd yeah. um with relative ease um you know so they were you know, several meters away mm. constantly but it's a little bit frustrating isn't it when you you know when you play to a small audience like that um, that's mm. why I always find it's, um, it's, I've always found it more nerve wracking to play in front of a smaller audience yeah. than it is, in, you know, to play in front of a crowd because yeah. in a crowd, it all merge, merges into one big thing really. But it, when you're in a small club or a small pub or in a, a small event like that, you can make out every single person. Yeah. You know, it's a yeah. lot more nerve wracking. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. Mm. And, you know, even more so, you you play better when there's more people there. Oh, for sure. You know, the fewer mm. people, the less fun it is for you as a musician. Mm. And the you know, if you're having fun, you just play better. And it's mm. a better performance, it's a better show. Yeah. Um. So that that makes it hardest. But you've at the end of the day, you still got to be a 
pro about it and yeah, you sure. still irrespective of how you might be feeling about it inside mm. you can't let that show yeah. on the outside so you don't you know and you always look like you're having fun you still do exactly the same thing regardless mm. um but yeah it's I'm, I'm just glad to have done it mm. oh yeah we we're all very happy by the end of the night oh and we had to finish at 10 o'clock all oh, right okay yeah it all had to be done by 10 um you know at least still didn't get home till midnight (laughs) (laughs) or after midnight um but yeah it's good it's going to be the last one there's going to be no more um Mm. on the cards now for the rest of the year Mm. so we'll see wow you know who would have thought that hey at the beginning of 2020 i i still find it difficult to think about particularly when you think of a it's one thing not gigging and doing something that you love and you Mm. enjoy but then when you think of the financial aspect of it, that's, yeah. you, I can't even describe how much of a kick that's been to me. Yeah. I mean, cause you're, you're like with your band, you're, you're gigging pretty much every Saturday and I know you're like booked out for like a year in advance or something like that more or less. That's right. right. Yeah. Every Saturday, we normally do about, I guess around 70 gigs a mm. year, every Saturday. Yeah. Um, bar maybe one, which we take off so we can mm. have a summer holiday kind of thing. Yeah. Um, um, and then lots of Fridays as well. And then other mm. Thursday nights come in as well on occasion, particularly yeah. around Christmas time for corporate parties mm. and, you know, things like that. So yeah, it is busy. Mm. But, uh, so yeah, it's been, the odd thing is you get used to getting your Saturdays back. <laughs> I was exactly, I was going to say that. Like how easy is it going to be to get back yeah. into that? Eh? Uh. But that, that but <clears throat> it felt right going back out on Saturday night. Mm. It felt normal again just by mm. doing that, you know. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong, I didn't miss unloading my car, unloading the PA, mm. dragging that upstairs, and oh, don't yeah. miss that, which is why I'm not back to home. Yeah, yeah. See, here's the thing, though. You know, with this um, with this rule of six in the UK, I mean, if you're a seven-piece band, you can't really rehearse altogether. That's a good point. No. No, you can't. No, that's right. Because so, um, my, my band back in the day was uh, it was a nine piece band oh, wow eight or nine piece band yeah because we had three back and vocalists percussionists and a whole shebang so yeah. it's that's a lot yeah yeah we used to kind of what we used to do is uh we used to have three rehearsals we had, we had our own rehearsal studio so we used okay. to rehearse um three times a week uh sort of minimum um for the most part and and so we did uh two sectionals if you want to call it that mm-hmm. and one for mm-hmm. rehearsal because you know getting nine people in one room was difficult even back then yeah that was pre-facebook yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know. yeah. <laughs> um so uh so yeah we used to do like a rhythm section rehearsal and then we used to do like a vocal rehearsal because again with four singers in the band involved. Mm-hmm. um and then and then a full rehearsal sort of a thing wow yeah. wow but, uh, yeah i that's the other thing you know we when you gig that much you don't need to rehearse yeah true. You, you just don't um yeah. not the material that you play so you rehearse to a just to meet up and chat about things that are going on outside of the gig that day yeah for sure yeah um and mm-hmm. to put new material in yeah when I mean, we see you know it, my band at the time was, was an original band so we used to write the material so uh, you yeah, know we'd have to write so we'd basically you know the vocal rehearsal they would um go through vocal parts and harmonies and stuff like that and and, t- and then write stuff so we'd you know sometimes we would just in the rhythm section rehearsal what would happen very often is like either we would work on something like we would write for instance you know and then we would um uh practice to a metronome or a click track mm-hmm. and um 
and you know lay down those things and then mm. and lock all of that down and then um then yeah so it, it was you know there was a lot there was a lot of writing involved um and that it was like a, a hardcore funk band so there was a lot of tightness required and yeah. everything so there's oh, a yeah. lot of work went into that a lot of um click tracks stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but yeah anyway that seems like a long time ago it was a long time ago but anyway um yeah so um so gig that was good that was good um what else have i done oh the other thing i've done i was doing this or started this weekend was um laying out some pre-production on um this uh school shoot that um, oh, okay. they want to do in november mm. um which is uh, basically with the way the rules are at the moment they they normally put on christmas concerts mm. and uh, plays and mm. nativities and all things like that as, as you probably expect a school to do mm. um they still want to be able to do that but they can't in the current situation mm. so they've asked um me us to go and film um and film that and produce that together mm. so that they can give it to their parents um so i'm just trying to work out based on what they want how long things are going to take yeah our initial discussions on the phone suggested that it might be two to three days, mm. which sounds reasonable when when you look at the what needs to be done. Mm. Actually, <laughs> it's looking closer to four right. or five days. Yeah. Um, you know, but <clears throat> that's what I'm trying to trim down and work out where we can save some time and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, so I started on that, right. um, and then when I started to see where that was progressing, I thought, hmm. I might need to have a rethink about this and see if I can cut some time out somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's it's an important thing, though. I mean, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Um, we're doing another project, which is uh, which is really uh, sort of a what do you call it, bona fide kind of project, sort of thing. Okay. Where we're doing it as a you know as a favor. Um, oh right. Yeah. yeah. And so so we're helping out a friend essentially <clears throat> with something that he's doing for his son. And um, but it's it's one of these projects where you actually have to you really have to plan it from from the beginning mm-hmm. because um otherwise you can get you know this can uh really take a lot of time mm-hmm. um otherwise so and so you know so i started thinking about how we can put that together so that a it makes sense the results really cool um and you know and it's not turning into like weeks and weeks of production exactly yeah. so, exactly and it's so easy to forget on the day shots that you need which is why you, you need lists of what you need to get hmm. and tick literally tick them off as you go cross yeah. them off as they're done and that's not to say that you have to be so rigid that that's all you're going to get if something else springs to mind or actually when you're in the situation hmm. you think hmm. Hmm, that's not going to work that's not going to work we need to change that then change you know you've got to be flexible but if you don't plan it in advance hmm. Well, production scheduling is it's a really important thing, and that's why you know any uh, major production has some dude with a spreadsheet behind you. You know, that's, yeah. uh, that's just how it is, and it's important um, because you know, especially once you get to the point where you've got a number of bodies on set because you get to pay all of them, um, and you know, there's there are potentially location fees and higher fees for equipment and everything yeah. else. Yeah. So just by running, just even if you're just running one day over, that there's a cost attached that could potentially be you know pretty high you know especially of course on big productions if you're um you know if you're on location somewhere where you're talking about hotel fees on top of everything and you know per diems and all the rest of it mm. so then 
before you know it, it's, you know, you, you think, oh, we're just running six hours behind. Well, six hours behind means the whole course stay on for another day. Flights have to be changed, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and all of a sudden the cost is, it just skyrockets from yeah. there. So it's really important that um, everything is planned out um, really to the nth degree, mm-hmm. you know, beforehand. And I mean, of course, in saying that, I'm talking about like big productions, but actually the same thing is true for small productions or even if you're just doing a photo shoot at home. I mean, I do that. Uh, I really do this. And we've talked about this before. Like even when it's just, when I'm just making up uh, some some weird photo at home that I think might be fun and it's just mm-hmm. a great thing to work on. It's just me because I've got nothing else to do. Um, I plan everything out and I sketch things out. You know, um, and again, we've talked about this in the past, I believe, um, where it's it's just a really useful thing, even for a photograph, just to do a sketch, keep it super simple, and you don't have to be great at drawing. I'm rubbish at drawing. But it's just a little sketch to sketch things out because you can actually, from a sketch, you can learn a lot of things. Like even, you can even like uh, pre-estimate uh, the focal length that you'd be using, right. you know, stuff right. like that because uh, of compression and all the rest of it. Um, but it just, it really gets you to focus and to think like, okay, how am I going to achieve this? Um, you don't have to fuff around with different lenses because you really know, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to shoot this. You know, this is like a foreground, it's really big. I'm going to have to shoot this pretty wide. So, you know, we're talking 24 probably, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you're making the right choices even before you get started. And it saves you a lot of time mm. afterwards. Mm. Um, and it also, it very much uh, informs a lot of thing, a lot of decisions you have to make in editing. So, you know, uh, when it comes to combining different shots or, you know, making composites, um, you know, the placement of things that might inform how you light the set and blah, 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 blah. So. Um, you just, rather than experimenting your way through it, which of course you could do, but it'll just take a lot of time. You just, just by making a little sketch with a, you know, pencil on a napkin or something like that, um, that will really, it can potentially save you a lot of time mm. afterwards. And I find that all the time, um, especially when I do this sort of situational portraits or something like that, um, is that, yeah, it's just a great time saver and it's super simple. Anybody can do it. Uh, it's just that. Is again, it's just my experience. A lot of the time, people dive into those those little projects, and then um, they come up against obstacles, and then either mm-hmm. give up or it just takes ten times as long to get to the end of it. When the right amount of pre planning would have just allowed you to avoid any of those things, yep. you know. And um, and with a lot of the things that we're doing at the moment, you know, we're taking cars out to a certain location and we shoot them outside. Um, you know, we. There is that, I mean, the thing is that, is that that needs that pre-planning because um, not only are the cars not ours, obviously, you know, uh, but also um, we're very dependent on the time of day because of because of lights and sunset and all the rest of it, um, that we have to be in a certain place at a certain time. So we're going to have to Absolutely. plan everything um, in advance. And we don't have, although we have access to these cars, we don't usually have access to them for very long. So yeah. it's, you know, it's one of these things. So yeah, yeah. plan your way out of trouble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the thing, you know, just to tap onto the end of that is that with these car shoots, you know, we're also trying out new things when we're, we're doing these. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you know, keep doing it to get better at doing this particular style and, of photo. And faster. So, and, and faster mm. so that in the future, when we want to do do more and more of these for other clients, <clears throat> that we're doing it quickly. 
that we're not, we know, hmm, okay, it just, yeah. In its simplest terms, it's a white car. It's shaped like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This is the time of day that it's being done at, yeah. and so on and so on and so on. And these are the passes we need, and therefore blah, blah, we don't yeah. have to mess around. Yeah. We just do it, you know. Yeah. And again, just to go back to what I was saying, it doesn't mean that on that shoot you aren't flexible enough to change what you want to do. But you know, these are the things that I need to yeah. get done. Have a game plan. Mm-hmm. Is, is exactly the, the thing. And you know, and this, this sort of thing doesn't get talked about enough, but. You don't look stupid in front of the client. So. <laughs> yes, yes, you know, you look pro. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you know, especially in this case, because the kind of cars we're talking about, of course, the client is ultimately there when we're shooting yeah. it, because um, because nobody's going to leave us in charge of of, of any car that's not a rusty banger, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> um, so no, um, but uh, but yeah, so it's you know it's important to to get it done, exactly. and and the other thing is, of course. Um, and this is something that we've learned, I think, is that the, the more down to the point you are, uh, the more on point you are in the actual shooting part of it, um, it'll save you a ton of time in the editing part. Yeah. And again, you know, I mentioned this last last week when we talked about this. Um, you know, you can come, you can you can take as many um, shots as, as you want. In editing, you really want to reduce it down to as few shots as possible, in a way, mm-hmm. to get the desired result. And it's uh, even that sorting um, task can take quite a long time. So mm-hmm. you know, and you get to label mm-hmm. all the shots and all that. So you know, the the more efficient it is from the outside, the better. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. yeah. So that was the take home from uh, from from last week's shoot. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Talking about last week, I listened to last week's uh, podcast. You didn't. No, I did. I quite, you know, he's, again, um, I'm the only, <laughs> you know, that one list, that one view. No. Um, I quite like my voice. Slightly nasal. That's good. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah, you were, yeah, I forgot. That was <laughs> over Zoom, wasn't it? You yeah. were ill. Mm. <laughs> and now you were ill. Oh, dear. Excuse <laughs> me. <sighs> so, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, I think I am getting ill. So let's talk about some of the things that were in the news this week. I saw that more rumors have come out about Sony releasing um, a new camera in Q1 of next year. Okay. Okay. I don't use Sony. You don't use Sony. But I'm tempted. Open to anything. (laughs) I am tempted. Mm. So it's apparently going to be called the the A9. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be essentially the same as the A7 Free, I want to say. Okay. I think that's what it is. Which, so the A7 is, um, it's only a 12 megapixel sensor, mm-hmm. which is like fine, similar to the GH5S. Yeah, the, the video version. Or to, no, or the GH5 actually, yeah. of whichever way around it is, can never really remember. Mm. Um, it's, uh, so 12 meg- meg- megapixel. Um, free access in body stabilization, uh, dual card slots, um, great autofocus, um, 4K, 4K it does up to uh, 100, I think 120 frames, but autofocus working at 120 frames, which mm-hmm. my GH5 doesn't do. Mm. Uh, you have to be manual focus. So that's actually a big win right there. That's a nice, nice addition. Um, so that's the, the general basics of the A7. What this A9 is going to apparently be is the same as that, but it's going to be 50 megapixels rather than 12. 
okay, which is mm-hmm. great, much better for for stills and whatnot. But it's going to be for uh, it's going to have eight K video as well, okay. and apparently also all uh, oh no four K. It will still be one hundred twenty up to four K, and I think sixty eight uh, K. Okay, <clears throat> they're just the rooms that I've heard. This is DR five killer. That's exactly right. Hmm. Exactly right. Oh, oh, sorry, missing out the most important bit of information here. No time limit. <laughs> of course not. Because I, I won't buy a video camera if it's a time limit. It's not going to work for me. Yeah, it doesn't no. work for me at all. Yeah. No time limit. And and these were used in in quotes without overheating. Uh, <laughs> was it in bold, underlined? Yeah. Was it? Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if if hmm. that's accurate. That's a that's a winner for me right there. So the thing about the overheating thing you know, is, uh, be interesting to see how they actually make that happen. Yeah, you know, um, because um, uh, because one of one of the issues just generally with that is is that you know the sensors run hot. There's no no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, um, and you could get rid of the you could get rid of the air, and um, the advantage of having sort of bigger bodied video cameras like uh like this like canon c series for example yeah, or whatever yeah. is that there's more space you know to have air vents and um and all the rest of it and of course in a smaller size um mirrorless camera body you just don't have the space to allow the air to circulate around like mm-hmm. that um so it'd be interesting to see how they've actually made how they've made that happen it might be that it ends up being a noisy camera Potentially, that'd be really shit for video. Well, it would. Uh, but that said, yeah. I have. I don't think I've ever. In fact, I have never used the onboard sound on my my GH5. No, I mean, neither. But, but uh, I have noticed that um, you know, even if you have a shotgun mic um, on top of it, like a video mic pro or something mm-hmm. like that, um, that you know, that does pick up some stuff when it comes from from the camera body. Like I know, for instance, um, well, good example is back in the olden days. It's also quite rare that I do that, I have to say as well. Well, I mean, that's, you know, if you're vlogging, for example, that's, you know, mm. how you would typically do it. Um, so I remember, like, um, I used to have this, maybe I still have it. It's a, I used to have this, like, consumer body Nikon, like, 5300 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And um, I used that to shoot some video because it just, you know, just shoot um, 1080 video sort of thing. But the auto, especially the video autofocus on a Nikon is really loud. It's really loud, really noisy. Um, and I remember um, slamming a video mic pro on top, um, and then you could hear all of that yeah. kerfuffle going on. And of course, on that particular body, the, the video autofocus is terrible, like really atrocious, it's like unusable, really. But uh, but nevertheless, you very clearly hear the uh, you know the motor noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. um, unusable, really. So um, so that'd be you know if it's a noisy body. Then that could be annoying. It, yeah, it could be. Yeah, I mean, I'll I would never buy anything until it's been out mm. for a little bit and it's been you know, and that would yeah. mean a whole shift for me to from Panasonic to Sony. Yeah, it's a big deal. That's yeah, a, for sure, it's a huge deal. But yeah. if the specs of this camera are right, it is what I'm looking for at the moment. See, it would be an even even bigger deal if you were switching from Olympus to Sony. Oh. <laughs> Good old Olympus. <laughs> Well, we do love Olympus. We love Olympus. Great segue to um, to the first bit of news that I found. Um, actually, I found it last week, but 
was too sick to talk about it last week. Oh. Um, and it has, that it's, it's, a, it's an interesting um, report on how many DSLRs and mirrorless cameras the top brands have shipped in 2019 now that the numbers are in, right? Okay. And, um, and that revealed... Now that the numbers are in nine months later. Well, I mean, for yeah, for, for for 2019, right? So, of course, I mean, 2020, it has to be said, things are slightly different in 2020 because I don't know how that could be in any way, shape, or form represent, representative. It can't, can it, I guess? Because, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so 2019, that's an interesting thing. So, I mean, get this. So, if we just, if we just look at the, the, the overall numbers for a second. This is all cameras that they do. This is, yeah, this is like across. So, all... Um, all cameras that have interchangeable lenses. Okay. So we're not talking Fine. about we're not talking about compact cameras or anything like that. Yeah. Um, or even even mobile phone cameras or whatever. We're just talking about cameras with interchangeable lenses. Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. they could be either DSLRs or they could be mirrorless cameras with interchangeable lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about the Fuji X one hundred F wouldn't count into that either because it doesn't have an interchangeable lens. In theory, yeah. Oh, okay. But anyway, um, so in 2019, um, in total, there were 8.66 million cameras were shipped with interchangeable lenses. Right? Okay, so that's just over eight and a half million um, many cameras across the board, all in uh, you know between all manufacturers or between the top, yeah, between all manufacturers, I guess. So out of these 8.66 million cameras, Canon has the lion's share of 4.16, just over 4 million cameras. So that, that really uh, establishes Canon, you know, solidly as the biggest camera manufacturer mm-hmm. out there. Now that's followed by Nikon shipping 1.73 million cameras. So, so even the, the difference between Canon and Nikon is remarkable, right? That's well more than twice. Yeah, 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 exactly. Wow. Yeah. So... But Nikon, and of course, you know, you remember back in the day, you know, Canon and Nikon were like the top two. There was a, there was a, you know, there was Canon and Nikon and there was nothing for a long while. Mm-hmm. And then there was Olympus. But um, Sony, of course, have, you know, gained a lot of ground. And Sony are now right behind Nikon um, with 1.66 million. So they've really... I mean, this is almost like you could say this is like a joint second place, almost. Yeah, pretty much. You know, because close. Nikon have just have just barely, barely managed to cling on to being the number two. Um, and there were at one point, uh, there were reports that Sony had actually overtaken Nikon, um, and that's really bad news for Nikon in general. You know, not only are they so far behind their main competitor, but they're now being like almost like overrun by a company that hasn't even been in the camera game for very long. Yeah, and you remember, I mean, yeah. Nikon's been in this game for like a century, yeah. right? This is like they are one of the, the the big old brands. You know, everybody knows Nikon or Nikon, depending on where you live, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> and so, so that's uh, you know that's a shocker um, in the first place. But then in fourth place, you've got Fuji with five hundred thousand cameras uh, shipped. So, uh, but you know, again, that's that that's the difference between Sony's one point six six million and uh, Fuji's five hundred thousand. That's quite a large gap. Already, that's huge, you know. 
Um, and then in, in uh, fourth place, in fifth place, even you've got Olympus with 330,000 cameras shipped and then others, right? Um, so, you know, we've got Canon being the number one, followed by uh, Nikon, and then very, you know, with Sony hot on its heels, and then you've got Olympus and uh, Fujifilm even, and then, then Olympus. So that's DSLRs and mirrorless cameras. Okay. But if you then look at only mirrorless cameras, that's where it gets really interesting. So as if it wasn't bad news enough for Nikon that Sony are so hot on their heels, it gets even worse when you look at mirrorless cameras on its own. Because out of the um, 8.66 million cameras in total, 3.94 million of those were actually mirrorless cameras. So just under half, right, of all interchangeable lens cameras sold were mirrorless. That is, on one hand, that's great, uh, because it just really means, it really shows how far mirrorless technology has come. Already. Already, already yeah. Mm-hmm. There's already, you know, we're talking about like almost 50% of the marketplace there, or market share. Um, and on the other hand, I'm kind of surprised that it's not more. Mm. Because I'm always like, and, and of course I'm thinking of it, I'm thinking of that from the perspective of somebody who uses cameras professionally. <clears throat> um, I'm thinking like, how would anybody in their right mind buy a DSLR these days, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, but then, of course, you know, if you're a consumer, it's different, right? It it's a different thing. You're yeah. looking at different things. You're not necessarily interested in, you don't necessarily care whether it's mirrorless no. or not. Um, you know, so so that's fair enough. But uh, but but still, I'm surprised it's not more than, you know, than 50%. But anyway, that's where we are. In 2019, so this may actually be very different in 2020, mm-hmm. you know. True. So um, total that make, it actually makes up 46% of the total market. So if you then break down the mirrorless sales um, between those main manufacturers, something really interesting comes to light. Because here, um, our top five look very different. In fact, the number one mirrorless um, manufacturer happens to be Sony with 1.65 million cameras sold. Really? So okay. Out, out of the, uh, practically all of the Sony cameras are mirrorless. Yeah. Right? Practically all of them. So uh, they've sold more mirrorless cameras than Canon, who's more than four times ahead of them in total camera sales. And, well, let's just walk through that top five, shall we? So Sony sold 1.65 million. That's, you know, that that's about, that. that's almost half of all mirrorless cameras sold were Sony's. That's amazing. That's incredible. That's amazing. So they've really, you know, as much as Canon seems to be like the big leader in the camera market, like if you just look at mirrorless, like Sony have destroyed Mm. the big camera manufacturers. Because Canon follows up with 940,000. So Sony have sold nearly twice as many mirrorless cameras as Canon. That must be depressing when you're when you work for Canon. Wow. And it just shows you how bad news it is when you're so behind in adopting um, new technology like that. The thing is, I'm sure they would they would have already known these numbers oh, ages yeah, yeah. ago, right? And well, this is, of course, you know, again, we're talking about 2019 numbers. So this is like before the RS and before the yeah. R5 and all that. And, and so 
you know, Canon have taken this opportunity, at least in, in 2020, to really come out with some banging new cameras. And I do wonder how all this overheating nonsense that's been going on for the last few months, you know, th these numbers now suggest that that wasn't intentional. You know, was, you know, we've kind of half joked in the past yeah, that yeah. they may have deliberately done this for the, the news and the sort yeah. of hype and all of that. Well, and it's, you know, they ain't, they ain't any worse publicity than... Um, then bad publicity, is, as they always say, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll be, maybe that's a strategy. Maybe not. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But anyway, so um, I mean, that's you know, that in itself, if you just look at that, that's interesting. So Sony are there with one point six five million, uh, followed by Canon with nine hundred forty thousand, followed by number three, Fujifilm. Hey, <laughs> Fujifilm five hundred thousand. That's all of them. All of the Fuji cameras within the tangible lenses are mirrorless. Awesome. Fuji full on adopter of um, of mirrorless technology. Love them. Love them, love them, right? Um, and uh, and that's followed by drum roll, fourth fourth place. In fourth place, we have Olympus. <laughs> well done, Nikon. <laughs> <laughs> like Olympus, the company that practically <sighs> sold off the imaging division, are still ahead <gasps> of Nikon. Oh my god, that's brilliant. Oh man. That is like. What are they doing? That's how, so frustrating. <laughs> give us the numbers. How far behind are Nikon? So, um, so uh, Fujifilm, you know, five hundred. They've basically shipped five hundred thousand cameras in total. They're all mirrorless. Yeah, done. Um, Olympus are behind them with three hundred thirty thousand. That's actually again all of all of the ones that have shipped, mm -hmm. um, and that's um, you know three hundred thirty thousand mirrorless cameras. Awesome. Um, Nikon. 280,000. So if you think about it proportionally, right? So Nikon, out of the 1.73 million cameras with interchangeable lenses that they have shipped in total, they've managed to do 280,000 mirrorless ones. So which camp does their hybrid fall under? The uh... I think that came out. Uh, I don't think that's included in that. That's not included in that? Yeah. Um, oh, but sh sorry, this is only including... Uh, bodies which were released in 2020, uh, 2019. Um, well, no, this is basically all camera. I'm guessing that includes all camera bodies released up to uh, or, or sold and released up to. So, I mean, okay. even, I mean, I guess it would it would count like, for instance, if um, like if somebody bought a, a 55, a D5500 or something like that, mm -hmm, or 5600, mm -hmm. whatever, latest thing is, um, there, there would have been a body that was probably like released in 2018 or whatever. Yeah. And um, and and then sold in 2019. So um, so with the D780, uh, the Nikon D780, which is a sort of hybrid, um, somewhere between it's a DSLR, but then when you use it in life, you it uses all the the Z6s mm -hmm. um, video uh, technology in there. Uh, so you know, by all accounts, it's decent. It's really an awesome camera, you know, yeah. in its own right. Um, you know, and never blame the tools sort of thing. Um, but of course, it, it still has, um, you know, DSLR technology in it, mm. um, which, you know, it seems quite backwards in a way to release a camera like that. But then there is an argument to say that it kind of makes sense because you still have so many Nikon users um, with so many Nikon F-mount lenses um, that um, that it kind of it makes sense to um to bring out a camera 
where people don't have to replace all their lenses. Yeah. yeah. You know, because that's really that's really where the money is. I mean, if you know, if, I mean, this is really the one thing that's keeping me from um, changing system is the fact that I've got so much money locked locked up in in all of these lenses. You know, that's the and of course, if I were to so, sell them now, I wouldn't really get a super awesome return on them and I would lose a lot of money and yeah. I wouldn't be able to replace that. So let's say for argument's sake, if I sold all of my Nikon gear and I'd, um, I'd moved over to uh, to Sony, let's say, um, or Canon or whatever, um, then I would have to still pour in so much money that it's, it's the cost-benefit yeah equation that's probably not necessarily stacking up at this yeah. point you know it's it's a consideration yeah you know it's just yeah. like uh you were saying you're talking about the uh, about um sony earlier it's you know it's a consideration i don't i don't know if i would necessarily switch to sony i might so not switch into sony sony might not make sense for you hmm. given that you're primarily a photographer um but for me, that's the you know, the, you know, Canon piqued my interest this year, um, but it wasn't quite enough. But if the news, uh, if the rumours are to be true about the new Sony coming out next, the start of next year, that's a serious, serious consideration for me now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's just, but it is going to be damn expensive to change because mm. I won't. You know, the body is going to probably be in the three and a half thousand pound kind of range that's not cheap and their mm. lenses as we've not you know we've talked about between us before sony lenses are more expensive mm. um, but <clears> if their market <throat> share continues to go up the way that it's going up perhaps mm. those will start to become slightly cheaper but i doubt it yeah <clears throat> i mean it, to be to be brutally honest you know of course i think the truth of it is is that you know i mean Personally, I, th I think, you know, as a photographer, as a predominantly as a stills photographer, I could probably make this work with any brand camera. Sure. Do you know what I mean? It's like um, nowadays, it's, the differences are so marginal. Yeah. You know, that you, can, I can, you should really shoot any uh, commercial shoot with, with just about any camera these days. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't think there's that much in it. This, you know, sometimes... It's really just down to which system you're used to, mm -hmm. you know, and for instance, like simple things like, you know, the camera menus and stuff. If that's, you know, sometimes that's, if you're really familiar with a particular uh, type of menu system, then it, it might just make your workflow um, easier, you mm -hmm. know, or whatever. Um, so, you know, I do think that it's, there, there really isn't that much in it. Um, and it's just really what you're comfortable with. Yeah, that's what it boils down to yeah. ultimately. Um, and I know that, you know, because of the type of shoots that I do, there's uh, the particular lens choices that are necessary for that. Um, and so I've always, unfortunately, in a way, I've always bought lenses um, specific for a specific purpose. And I use pretty much all of my lenses, mm -hmm. which kind of means that really, if I wanted to carry on doing exactly what I'm doing in the way that I'm doing it, I would have to really replace them, you know, if I were to switch system. So I really have to uh, replace them like for like, which would be extremely expensive, yeah. extremely expensive. And that's, you know, that's where the, that's the crux of the matter for me is that um, I don't really feel like I want to do that at this point. Yeah. 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 And even if I sold all of my Nikon gear, 
in all my lenses and everything else. Um, you know, the, given depreciation and whatever, it would still mean I'd have to pour a ton, a ton of money into that. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, 500 quid for a Fuji X100V sounds quite palatable. <laughs> I'm thinking of it that way. Yeah. You know, um, but or it could be a total waste of money. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, it's, it's one of these things. Um, so I think it's on the cards in the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, you will when you eventually switch, you will switch to mirrorless. Absolutely. Uh, no doubt. There's no way back. Um, you know, so if you were to move to, you know, Nikon will probably have another one out by then. Yeah, right? so my, my hope is, my secret hope is that Nikon kind of do, my hope is that they're doing what they kind of did with the D850 when that first came out some years ago, right? Uh, where like, you know, people were like hopping on about how Nikon hasn't, you know, brought anything, hasn't really, you know, improved on there. Like D750, DA10 had been out for a while, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and you know, Canon was overtaking them um, with the... Uh, five mark four or whatever it was at the time mm -hmm. i don't remember exactly but um and then of course uh you know then nikon came out with the d850 and what a killer camera that was at the time and still is actually still is an awesome camera and actually that's probably a, a good point to say you know? although we are talking about potentially switching systems and all mm. of this kind of stuff that's not to say that the cameras we're using right now or any other cameras are <laughs> no, actually no, no good at what it's that's not the case not in, in the slightest no i mean this is like really where you know you really like nitpicking i think yeah you know and um it's and it's like i remember uh, you know do you remember when we were talking to daniel um akeley mm -hmm. um in episode two maybe yeah i think it's very <laughs> early and you know we we're talking about the he was talking about the fact that um you know he hadn't like replaced his his bodies in a while and he was thinking about it. but uh, of course you know fact of the matter is it's like you know it's not that 10 years ago or something, people weren't able to take great photos because exactly. they totally were, you know, it's just nowadays, um, there is technology around that makes your life a lot easier. Like I focus on thinking, you know, for yeah. a portrait or headshot photography, for instance, that's a big thing. Um, you know, it could just really make the difference between, you know, even for concert photography, like you mm -hmm. make the difference between, um, you know, you're, I don't know, six shots out of 10 being in focus or 10 shots out of 10 being, or nine shots out of 10 being in focus. And so you, you might end up actually being able to create more usable imagery, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and video, of course, is a big thing because even if you if you compare, um, you know, the video specs in cameras that are three years old to the cameras that are coming out now, I mean, it's, it's like night and day, you know. So... Um, and of course, it, what that allows you to do, just simple 4K, for example, you know, when you can think, well, but most of the time, why would you, this, most of the time there isn't really even a need to shoot in 4K um, because most people watch stuff in 1080. But of course, if you do sh shoot in, in 4K, there are certain advantages that make your life easier. And it's yeah. usually the, a matter of how many choices you have in, uh, you know, in editing afterwards in post-production, mm -hmm. like you can zoom in and, you can create different looking shots from one base shot and all the rest of it. And uh, you can downsample it and ends up looking 
better and crispier, crisper and all the rest of it. So there are advantages in, in, um, you know, following the, the latest technology in these, in these sort of things. Um, it's, it's always this balance between, you know, is it worth the financial outlay? Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like, um, if I think about, I've very recently, um, replaced my old 2012 MacBook pro, right. Um, which is worth probably nothing these days. Like I think like a hundred quid or whatever it's worth now, yeah, you know, yeah. um, but, um, and, and buying a new iMac is, you know, there's some serious money you have to lay down for that. And mm-hmm. that's, uh, you know, it's not an easy choice to make, you know, when you have hungry mouths to feed yeah. and a hungry dog, you know, <laughs> the rest of it. Um, but, um, but it's, it's what you gain. That's the important part. And then it's evaluating whether that's worth it for you or not. Like for me, there was simple things that I didn't really think about in, in, in advance. And, you know, of course, it's, it's great to have a 5K screen and all of, you know, all of that is awesome. Um, but there's simple things like the fact that I can, that I sit in a different way now and I, I don't have um, pains in the back of my neck anymore because I'm not mm-hmm. looking down. Mm-hmm. That's worth it to me, you know. Um, I have a better posture. Um, the screen is bigger. I can actually place more things on the screen. I don't have to strain my eyes as much because this, this screen is much, it's much better. It has a higher resolution and the rest of it. That's worth it to me, you know. Um, time-saving things like the fact that it's got, I don't know, 10 cores or whatever, and um, and it really cuts down on video rendering time. That's worth it to me. Yeah. You know, all of that stuff's worth it to me. Um, and it's worth the investment because it actually does make my life easier yeah you add all this up over the course of a year and it's it's significant exactly you know there's none of that god just you don't know if it's going to render correctly or not yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) and then what if you watch it back and you know it's just been rendering for several hours and then you watch it back and you go oh shoot that transition is probably Uh, do it again yeah you know it's it's a real um you know it's just the thing of like waking up in the morning and not feeding somebody who's like hitting the back of the neck with a baseball bat type of feeling. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's funny, but it's yeah. kind of, it's true. It's, it yeah. really uh, makes a big difference. So, um, so that's, you know, that's it. But financial commitments. Yeah, man. And, you know, there's a little bit of, of uh, this sort of nostalgic sentiment in there as well, because, you know, my dad used to shoot Nikon. I've shot Nikon ever since, well, with the exception of the very first camera maybe that I had, but, you know, um, I've shot Nikon cameras for a long time. There's a certain affinity you have for the brand. Yeah. You know, this history, this real history attached to to Nikon, just like there's to Canon, of course. But um, it's I would just be really sad having to switch to a different I'm tr- brand. I've no doubt, but so, they've certainly got to pick up their game in the next year or two. Or I think they will lose you. And if they're losing me, then it's bad news. You know, that's bad news bears. Yeah. Because, um, you know, that's like um, even people have been with the brand. And, and I know that that's, of course, that's been happening over the last few years. Lots of people uh, left or changed from Nikon and Canon to Sony. And that's, of course, how Sony managed to build up their their user base so dramatically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and very recently... You've seen people leave Sony back to Canon because Canon have really upped their game, mm-hmm. you know. And Nikon, I actually think they've made a good start with the Z6. 
um, especially the Z6 and also the Z7, in the sense that they've really, really um, beefed up the video game in those. And I kind of always been known for um, the stills uh, camera people. Yeah. It's, it's always been known that, you know, if you're doing video, then Nikon is not your thing. Like, you know, stay away from that because the autofocus yeah. is crap. And, um, it's, you know, it's just not not on par with Canon. Canon, um, quite some time ago, um, realized that actually they had to kind of, you know, invest into the video capabilities of their cameras. And it's done a really good job. It's done a really good job um, in that. And Nikon have just, and of course, they also, Canon also have this whole, video division almost you know, mm. with the C series, mm. the mm -hmm. C100 and C200 and all that, uh, all those video cameras. So they've already, they had an advantage there, but Nikon have been so far behind that they really needed to come around swinging. And they, I think they did with the Z6. Um, but they've also made a lot of mistakes like the, and it sounds just a stupid discussion. Now. I know exactly yeah. what you're going to say. You know, the single... Is it going to involve a SD card? By yes, any exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the single camera slot thing, the fact that you can't get... The fact that you can't get a, a battery grip is, like, stupid. That is just plain stupid. You know, like, you can't just can't... Like, who was who thought about this, you know? No, that's crazy. I, I've just... Oh, things as well. I know you don't, you, you don't really use one, but... Oh God, I can shoot without them. But if, you know, if I used my camera for, more for video, then I would, without a shadow of a doubt, right, right. you know, use a, a battery grip. No doubt. Uh, it makes perfect sense, mm. you know, and uh, and so not to be able to uh, to connect one, it's just, just, it's just yeah. biggest belief, you know. So uh, anyway, so, the, you know, there's some some things that were done really good. Um, there were some, some serious... Um, things that were left out and then and i know uh, there's there's some rumors that nikon will be coming out with an updated version of the z6 and the z7 um it's sort of uh what do you call it like an interim upgrade or something like that okay yeah it's a bit like a iphone 11 and an iphone 11s yes exactly do, right? yeah, yeah yeah and i think that's even they're supposed to be called something like that yeah the z6s or whatever um and and apparently um these cameras are now kind of rectifying some of those mistakes. Like apparently they now have dual cost slots and apparently now you can get a battery grip for them and whatever, but it's still the same sensor, uh, same autofocus system, I believe, and nothing's changed there. So, so it's, it almost begs the question, is there any point in them doing that right now? Or should they be focusing on getting more cameras out that are up to speed with, um, or as good as what <coughs> Canon and Sony are doing right now? Well, this is what I'm saying. As I'm sort of, I'm secretly hoping that they're like, you know, beavering away somewhere in the Nikon bat cave, you know, and they're coming out with this murderous version of a, you know, of a D850 that will just right. slam it out of the ballpark. You know, that's what I'm hoping secretly. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm becoming less and less hopeful. Mm -hmm. Me too. You know, which is. I hope I hope I hope we're wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Because because you know, apart from everything else, I would hate to see yet another after Olympus, yet another um, you know big camera brand disappear. It's bad for consumers. Well, it's it's bad for consumers, but it's just like it's one of these things. You know, you just don't want. Um, no, you don't. You know, it's like, it's like a, some car brands. I mean, sometimes. These, you know, big 
uh, full of tradition, like, you know, Carbrands disappeared, you kind of go, huh? Yeah. Like, that's not, you know, like, I don't know. You don't want that. You don't. But purely from a, a consumer perspective, it, it can't be good. No. Reducing competition like that from a major player is just. Mm. That's it. But I'm still not saying. Never ends well. I'm still not saying God and, and buy an Olympus. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm still not saying that. No. So you will not hear me say that on this show. <laughs> this is a promise. <laughs> anyway, so enough about Nikon's misgivings. Yes. Um, I actually have some positive news as well. No. Yes. No. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. This is the part where we come to the fun, the fun news. Because finally, after weeks of um, uh, a, a, sort of a void in the in the fun photography news, right? Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things um, that I've come across that really made me um, made me chuckle, which is always good news. Shoot. So literally shoot. Shoot. Um, now, Estee Lauder, it's been reported. Yes. Have, my, uh, my bathroom's full of that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. They've, uh, reportedly paid NASA $128,000 for a photo shoot on the international space station. Okay. I immediately have two questions. What's that? <laughs> One. Why? Why? Okay. And why so little? That doesn't well, seem like enough money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it's uh, that's true. Although one hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars is, you know, is a lot of money. Oh. Obviously, for some of us, you could buy at least uh, forty thousand R fives with that. But here you go, <laughs> and they're all overheat. <laughs> well, they're all overheat. Yeah, you could probably generate enough heat to to launch off the planet and fly. <laughs> Yeah, but you just start one after Lighting. the other as uh, as each one overheats exactly. after thirty seconds. Um, but so yeah, so what's happened was uh, so Estee Lauder basically uh, have come up with the idea of um, of sending some of their uh, so they're sending ten bottles of their ad- advanced night repair uh, skin serum up to the ISS. So that in itself costs a ton of money, obviously, because mm-hmm. you know it's weight and it's expensive, and it, they're launching it from Virginia. Um, to the ISS, and I think where are we now? Uh, well, you, if you're listening to this on Thursday, it's it's on on its way. It should be there on Saturday, something like that. Um, so they're shooting. They're basically bringing. Uh, they're transporting ten of these bottles up to the ISS, and then they're getting the astronauts. Or they're instructing the astronauts to do this photo shoot in what's called the copular module, which is the this is uh, this is like. Sweeping panoramic views, okay, okay, you know, yeah, um, of, you know, of Earth and space and all that, um, and uh, so they're instructing the the astronauts to conduct the photo shoot up there, and so NASA charges a professional fee for the astronauts' time, mm-hmm. and uh, so an hour of an astronaut's time is charged at seventeen and a half thousand dollars. I wonder how much of that the astronaut sees. That must be well, probably none. But that's, that must be the there must be the highest hourly rate for any photographer yeah. ever in the history. It's impressive. That's, that's really quite impressive, isn't it? Mm. So, um, so I thought that was funny. So the ultimate use of those images is um, social media, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, Instagram and uh, and everything else. And you kind of think, why not just Photoshop it in? Absolutely, you know. They could have even replaced the sky. <sighs> Not well, yet. <laughs> Not yet, right. <laughs> but, you know, um, so interesting, uh, interesting thing. Now, 
that leads me on to the to the other thing, and that is of course NASA have sort of opened up the ISS, the International Space Station, uh, obviously now for like product related um, shoots, but also for space tourism. Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, so it's so is it now just a, a matter of time until we see tourists fly to the, the interna- International Space Station? Which um, camera, would, camera would you take if you went? Would you take the Fuji? Uh, no, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, traditionally you'd have to take a Nikon because uh, because Nikons are traditionally used by NASA. Ah, like they were see. used on the moon, I believe, or whatever. I can't remember. But, um, but yeah, I know that they run a whole bunch of um, of Nikons up at the up at the space station. So it has to be, it would have to be a Nikon. Okay. So, yeah, for Fair sure. Fair enough. Um, but talking about the International Space Station, so it turns out that none other than Tom Cruise is going to shoot a film inside of the International Space Station. Wow. Yeah. That, wow. I was going to say that's a first, but that's clearly a first. That totally is a first. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, here's a question for you then. Mm. Will, will it be cheaper to send him up because he's so short? <laughs> <laughs> and was that a consideration? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, really a short actor. Like, <laughs> he needs to be short, but you know. Uh, yeah. So uh, so he's going up there with the help of Elon Musk, who's basically sending him up in one of his SpaceX rockets. Well, okay. Okay. Question I have Are they going to leave him up there? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So, God, what is that going to cost to send him up and then any other actors that may be involved and camera crew and um well no i think uh, i think as I'm far sure as they only have two crew <laughs> yeah as far as i understand is, is that um the uh, he's he's going up there i think with um Doug Lyman who's the was the director mm-hmm. so um i would have thought that most likely they're only going to be shooting those two people up but but uh, but who knows i mean it's um nowadays of course you know camera technology is such that you really don't need big production cameras cameras potentially maybe they're taking a bunch of a9s who knows (laughs) you know quite possible um but yeah so the the plan i think is to get them up there in the crew dragon uh, in the um in the dragon capsule thing um and then they shoot at least segments of the film up there Hmm. so that would definitely be a first i mean it's kind of a cool thought you know but the question still remains: Why Tom Cruise? What, what, <laughs> why Tom Cruise? Why actually go there? Well, I mean, he's like I can see that because he's always like trying to sort of reach for the extremes, you know, whether that's like yeah. hanging on the outside of a plane or sure. whatever else, um, doing extreme stunts and breaking his foot, and you know, all of that kind of jazz. So I can kind of see how that would be attractive to him. And, and of course, you know, it would be an absolute first. Like no actor has done that before. Mm. You know, when actors have, have probably hung out of on the side of aeroplanes and jumped out of buildings and all that kind of jazz. But, but like actually, actually go into space and actually be going to the international space station. All that kind of, so that's, that's a whole other level. Yeah. You know, so I think, I mean, that, you know, that would probably be deserving of an Oscar just for daring. <laughs> I, I think. Maybe that's why he's doing it. You know, I can you imagine if they're like, they get him to do like a spacewalk and then, you know, they lose him out in space. <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> Damn it. 
Oh, guys, uh, Houston, uh, we've just uh, lost Tom Cruise. <laughs> it was difficult to see. <laughs> no small. more Mission Impossible movies. Oh. <laughs> Woohoo! Thank God. <laughs> um, but, you know, so here's another, like, as part of the same bit of news, there's an interesting thing, um, because they're filming, they're currently in the process of filming the latest installment of, of uh, Mission Impossible, which is like... Are they? There is another one, is there? Yeah, I mean, it's like, was it film number seven or something? Oh, I, th- I don't know. But apparently, of course, because of the whole um, coronavirus pandemic and stuff, you know, I mean, you know, lots of uh, film productions have shut down, Yeah, you know, yeah, or were delayed or whatever uh, because of it. But apparently he's personally paying, or he has personally paid for cast and crew to live on cruise ships Cruise ships. Are these Tom Tom Cruise Tom ships? Cruise ships, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, it, it, it appears as though he's been paying out of his own pocket. He's paying for cast and crew to to uh, live on cruise ships um, so that they can continue filming. That's cool. Yeah, I mean that in itself, is, you know, unless he's got a stake in a production company, which he probably has, or, or a cruise ship. So he would, yeah. Well, a Tom Cruise ship. I sorry. mean, I guess any ship he owns would be a cruise ship, mm. wouldn't it? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I wonder whether he drives with cruise control. Oh. <laughs> Do you think it's like a recurring joke every time he gets in the car? <laughs> hey, Dad! Yeah. Keep it Tom Cruise control on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, interesting thing. Um, I thought that was, uh, you know, that was quite, yeah, quite impressive. Yeah, it's a nice gesture. Yeah. yeah so, Tom Cruise, Elon Musk, you know, a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. So, wow, there we go. Nuts, indeed. So yeah, that's uh, that's all I've got for this week's photography bulletin. That brings us to the close of oh, episode twenty-three. Episode twenty-three. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. In the can. As in I the say. can. Bagged. Yeah. Don't listen to it in the can. But I mean, you could if. You well, you could. Yeah, you could. You could. Yeah. In fact, yeah, do listen to it on the can because uh, you know that gets our. Um, Gets our viewership up. And we still haven't. We still haven't found out who that uh, listener in uh, in Maryville, Tennessee is. No. So if you are out there and you're listening, you've made it through to the end of the show. Uh, first of all, congratulations, and secondly, um, please email us at camera or, or send us a Facebook message or something. Anyway, you can email us on uh, cameraShakePodcast at gmail.com. or of course, if you are so inclined um, and you're not hanging out on um, MySpace anymore, you've made it to facebook then uh, then come and visit us on facebook.com forward slash camera shake podcast that'd be awesome um we uh yeah we always put fun and entertaining entertaining posts posts on there very good oh, yeah that's nice that. wordplay oh, no. oh, no. anyway so that's it uh, from us uh, episode 23 indeed see, see you next time see you next time in episode 24